Hello, everybody. This is Jared Van Vorst. And my name is Nathan McWhorter. And I'm Daniel Fagbui, and welcome to Table Talk Thursdays, where we field all your burning questions, and we'd love to hear from you. And we'll be doing this every single week. So please send in your questions to my email, which is daniel.fagbui at livechurchcanton.org. Look forward to hearing from you. Happy Thursday, my friends. Today is Thursday, May 21st, 2020. If you're in Michigan, it's a great day outside. If you're not in Michigan, I hope that it's a great day outside. This is yet another episode of Table Talk Thursdays. Um, and on this episode, you're going to hear a special guest. That special guest, spoiler alert, is Kate Buckner. Um, yeah, we haven't had Kate on this podcast yet, so this is her first appearance. And I hope that you guys enjoy it. Um, we'll be back later in the week with uh, the sermon podcast. So here's Table Talk Thursday. Enjoy. We're going live. One, two, three, and maybe live already. I'm checking. I think we are. We are? We are live and in effect. Awesome. Let me make sure I got the right view. Awesome. Gallery view. Cool. We're live? Sweet. Well, welcome, everybody. Welcome to Table Talk Thursdays. I'm here with uh, Pastor Jared, and we have a special guest today. Um, Pastor Nathan is out today, and uh, so do keep him in your prayers. He's doing well. No, no concerns, uh, but um, he's out today, and so we, we're praying for him and that everything is going well with him. And But we do have a special guest that we will reveal later. So in the comment section, um, if you want to guess who, um, then let's guess um, and start that process going and we'll let you know what you won. Uh, most likely you just won the privilege to hear us again next Thursday. Uh, but we're happy to have you. Table Talk Thursdays, we go live at 12 noon every Thursday to answer any and every question. All questions are welcomed. Questions about the most recent sermon, question about anything in life or any theological questions. Uh, remember that questions need to be received by Tuesday evening, but if you do get them in after Tuesday evening, we will put them on deck for the next uh, show. So all live questions are also welcome. Follow-up questions are also welcome. We'll be paying attention to that as much as we can, and uh, we'd love to hear from you. And as a reminder, uh, do continue to pray for our nation and the things that we're going through in our world, really. Uh, pray for those who are quarantined and waiting for test results. Pray for those who have lost their employment, um, those who have lost loved ones. Pray for the at-risk populations, uh, people who are on the front lines, those healthcare professionals and essential workers. Pray for the elderly. Pray for those with pre-existing conditions. And do continue to reach out and love and care for each other. It's a blessing to just see what we're doing. Um, so, yeah. Well, I'm excited to be here with you this morning. Pastor Jared, how are you doing? How's it going? Yeah, I'm doing well. And I'm just going to add to the prayer list if I could. I know um, many of you are probably aware of uh, people and families, loved ones in Midland, Michigan. I've never been there. I'm still, and Daniel, I, I can't imagine you have been either. Um, we're, we're still newer to Michigan, but um, uh, 10,000 people have been displaced and, um, and because of the flooding, the dam broke. And so... Um, our prayers and our hearts go out to them too. Yeah. For them. Yeah. Um, just a, just a lot going on. And so I can't imagine uh, what those families are going through. So, uh, but me and my family, we are doing okay. We are uh, reunited for those of you who know a little bit of our story. Our daughter was it in feels so good. It, it does feel good. <laughs> um, and she's back to her normal self for the most part. Oh, good. Um, 
and uh and so we we are doing well very good very very good yeah it's interesting man um all the normal life experiences and even the abnormal life experiences are super heightened because of the season that we find ourselves in right so you know sheltering in place makes it hard i was at a funeral a couple weeks ago and it's hard to get family together because you're sheltered in place so um well let's see let's take a look at this facebook let's see if people have been able to guess who are you on Facebook? Let's see. Any comments? Guess who? Nobody's guessing. Somebody's just saying, I know who it is, but they're not saying. I know. It. Tanika Jones says, is it Pastor Kate Buckner? Uh-huh. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, did I miss something? Where is Nathan? <laughs> um, uh, he is uh, in this it's world. With his family. <laughs> <laughs> he is in this world. Yeah, we're not going to um, tell you where. We're not gonna tell you where. Like no. he's located at the corner of no, nah, no. He's he's uh, just out today, um, and um, uh, much needed rest, as it were. Yeah. Um, so let's see who else. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For the Van Hers. Okay, cool. All right. Well, people are just uh, people are just telling us who it is. So, all right. On one, two, three. Reveal yourself. <laughs> hey, hey. Uh, i might have spilled the beans earlier this i think you did i no, just realized that i realized that i realized that which also means that you must have quite a lot of followers because nobody guessed people just made statements who but they're like i know who those it is those are my so, people <laughs> so i think what we need to do next time is we'll we'll invite somebody on and then have like two other people say hey i'm gonna be on and then nobody will know who it is. So we'll That's see. We'll make it nice. So tell us who you are. Who are you? Yeah, I am Kate Buckner. I'm the Go Pastor at Life Church Canton. I have been on staff for six and a half years. I've been at Life Church for nine and a half years. So Okay, so you're still new. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Totally. Okay, good. Still learning the ropes, still learning sure. who the people are, you know, getting comfortable. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks. Sweet, sweet. Cool. The Go Pastor. So how are you doing, Go Pastor, in this unique season? Um, a very unique season, especially with what you do. Yeah, um, I personally am pretty good. I think that it's been a transition. It's been really super hard. Uh, for those who don't know me, I'm a raging extrovert. I love to be with the people, to hug the people, to smell the people, to just be all up in your business. That's my, that's Smell my the people. You know? Yeah. I mean, cool. I'm a very like, you know, I want to be a with scratch them. and sniff pastor, if you will. Yeah. Got it. Okay. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> yes. As awkward as possible. You know, I, I get to hang out with the youth ministry. Um, I volunteer with them and I always tell them awkward is fun. That's, that's where I stay. Bring the awkward yeah. wherever I go. Well, I will say that your quote unquote awkwardness makes me, at least in my wife, feel, felt comfortable when we first got here. So there's something about you being so free that allows other people to be free. So super Thank thankful you. for your personality and your gifts in that area. Thank yeah. you. I appreciate that. Kate, uh, how many weeks have we been in uh, the shelter in place now? About 452, I, I think. That sounds about right. Approximately. During that 452 unit of measurement that you used. Um, What's been helpful for you? How have you how have you maintained a sense of joy and hope and trust in God? Yeah. What what kinds of things have been helpful for you? Yeah, being outside, walking. Um, I think that 
being with people in whatever capacity I can. So Zoom has been really beneficial um, as much as I have Zoom fatigue. Mm. I find that when I get off of a Zoom call, I just feel energized after seeing, you know, I keep calling them my people because that is who they are to me. They're the people who I care about and pray for and um, long to be with. And so that really brings me life, but also extra quiet time with the Lord. That's been really important for me to stay rooted in scripture and just taking time to journal and reflect on my feelings. And when I am struggling, just recognizing what it is that I'm feeling and recognizing where God is in it. Um, and just talking to him about it and talking to the people who I trust and can depend on to, you know, just hold space with me without trying to fix it or make it better. I love that. I do want to say something quickly before I ask you another question is um, our sister Ray, I do want to, I know I kind of said a tongue in cheek that I'm not telling you where Pastor Nathan is, but I don't want you to feel bad about that. Um, he's just uh, off today. Uh, he's doing well, but he's just off today. So thanks for caring about him. <laughs> so cool. So tell us, what do you do as the go pass? Because that I hear go pass. I'm thinking go karts and thinking yeah. all kinds of stuff. But what's a go pastor? And well, is go it away. You're always on the go? go. <laughs> yeah, you're go. Always on the go. Just go. I just go and have coffee what does she do she just go, go. <laughs> yes yeah, oh. so watch me this is yeah. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. Um, so honestly what go pastor is is um, part of who we are is we want people to know christ um, we want people to grow in relationship with god and with other people and then we want people to go and serve and um, to make disciples and so part of my role the all of what my role is is to help people live fully into their calling so I manage all of our first impressions ministries. So that's everything from the street to the seat and everything in between. Um, didn't make that one up. I stole that from someone, a pastor friend of mine, which is super valuable. You know, uh, the first impression is super, super important to people coming back to our community, uh, feeling welcome, recognizing that they belong and that we are people who will um, care about them, connect with them, love them, no matter where they're at in their faith walk recognizing that we are just broken, simple people who want to um, grow together to uh, connect and care for one another. One another. So from, uh, so all of first impressions is my jam. That's where uh, I care for and shepherd and pastor uh, people. It's about 13 ministry teams. Um, and then I'm also responsible for our outreach and our compassion. So that just means I don't do all of the outreach and compassion. I am focused on developing leaders and building up teams and helping individuals um, to recognize what God has called them into. So that's a um, huge piece, Kate. And you and I, we talk about that a lot. It's like there, there is often a misconception that people in the church look to the staff and the staff and the pastors are the ones that do the church stuff. Mm. And I think you do a good job of making that distinction that, no, that that's part of it. It's part of what I do, but I also equip the saints for the ministry, right? Like that's what the scripture talks about. But uh, to put that in layman's terms, you identify things in people and and call them out and say, you have this gifting to, to do something, to be part of the kingdom of God. What... Yeah. Um, how do you go about doing that? How do you identify some of those gifts in people, especially in a season like this where, you know, you're limited by um, distance and, and even technology in some cases? How do you do that? Yeah, what a great question. Um, I think there's a gift of discernment that comes with it, recognizing um, that the Lord guides and, and um, 
navigates thinking processes and, and recognizing gifting and ability in people. But you see this when people are in high capacity leadership roles um, outside of the church, whether it's in, in work or how they lead their families or um, I don't know, it's just um, a gift, I would say. But then there's also an aspect of having conversations with people um, and calling them to more. I think that all of us are meant to be leaders um, we're all leading people, whether it's um, in a healthy way or a productive way or um, astray, leading people astray. Um, so I think that recognizing the, the fact that we're all meant to be doing that is, you know, something that I focus on in my conversations with people. Um, but then I also think that many people just haven't been affirmed and um, encouraged to live in a space of productivity and, and recognizing that they are called to so much more. Um, helping people navigate emotional health, um, physical health, and spiritual health. I think that they're all intertwined. So honestly, I just have conversations with people and figure out where they're at and ask a lot of questions and try to recognize the things that people are naturally passionate about. When I have conversations with people, they're forever like, oh, just let me serve wherever, wherever the biggest need is. And it's not that's not how God wants us to serve and it's not how he wants us to live. And so I'm forever just trying to point people to things that they're passionate about because if you're passionate about it, there's a reason. And then putting people into that role or helping to encourage them to get into that role is really important. That's good. Yeah. I mean, I think um, I'm sure that there's unique challenges that, um, that attend what you do, right. How you care for people and all that good stuff. Has those challenges changed or are they the same, especially in this unique season that we have ourselves. And if I say unique season, one more time, this unique season, it's going, that's the best word that I can find for it. I just feel like every time I talk about this, I always say unique season, unique season, uncertain times, uncertain times, right. Variance of activities. (laughs) So yeah, but have the challenges changed? So what are your normal challenges? Yeah. Uh, so it's sort of like a three-parter. What are your normal challenges? Um, have those challenges changed in this season? And how do you sort of uh, not attack, but respond to those challenges? Um, okay, so the challenges that I encounter in regards to volunteerism as a whole is um, multifaceted. So one, people don't, People want to do what's comfortable and serving other people um, well is really super rewarding. It's just like the gym or doing anything else that's really good for you. Just getting there is half the battle. And so once people are in position, once people start doing it, they recognize that there's a gift that that they personally experience. I mean, before I loved Jesus, um, I was a part of a, I, you know, guess I still am a part of a 12 step recovery program. And mm. one of the things that they tell you to do is serve. And the reason that they tell you to do that is because it pulls you up out of yourself and you stop mm. getting caught up in your own feelings and your own issues and your own problems. And it helps you to start looking externally. And so I think that most people naturally have this self-centered internal thinking. Um, so that's one of the things I think that causes people uh, to not serve. The other thing is just priorities. I think sometimes people have different priorities. And um, another thing is they they don't know where to serve or or how to serve or what that looks like. And so I think that something Life Church does really well is sets up um, and offers opportunity to serve all the time. We're forever trying to help people without pushing them into a space of um, 
doing the next thing. We tried to. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. I think, uh, and I'm sorry to cut you off, but I just wanted to say this because I think it's very encouraging. I think in all the churches that I've ever been part of, this church is the only one that I've seen that the um, the amount of volunteers outweigh the typical 20% um, that you see in many churches. So just kudos to the church uh, as a whole, and even you, and specifically your position of how you galvanize people. I'm just super encouraged by you, and I'm thankful for you. Um, and I think we could get that lost sometimes of just taking you for granted, the parts of the body that isn't seen as much, First Corinthians 12. I'm super thankful for you. So I just wanted to affirm that. But yeah, amen. Yeah. And I think it's just part of our culture, you know, do whatever it takes, wherever it takes us. That, that is who we are. We have a body of people who just desperately want to serve. And I noticed that during this season, so the issue that I would say that's different this season rather than normal is that we have this huge body of people who are in small groups and who are in serving roles that we have access to, that we know um, how to connect with them. And the people who we really need to get a hold of are the ones who weren't plugged in yet. And those are the people who are probably experiencing um, more job loss, financial struggles, um, family issues that we would like to be able to serve them and care for them, but we don't know how to get a hold of them. We don't take weekly attendance. We don't have a chip in anybody's hand to you know, track them coming in and out of our doors. There's some legal issues with that. And so figuring out. I mean, we're brainstorming ideas sure. of you know, keeping track of people. So no bad idea, right? <laughs> Life church, homeland security. <laughs> oh um, no. So I think that uh, we have this huge body of people who want to serve and love people and we don't have anyone to serve and love. And, and so what I've tried to do during the season is, um, with the 13 ministries that I manage, I'm consistently reaching out to them to say, hey, how many neighbors have you reached out to? Nathan did an awesome job with the message and provided a great resource of a letter that we could print out or, you know, or look at to reflect on what we could write in a letter to our neighbors to invite them into the body to find out how we could serve them or support them. Um, but I just think that we don't have a ton of needs that we're aware of. So that's a unique challenge, I think, to this season. What, um, what would you say to, so we've got some, a handful of people that are watching right now. Um, most of these people I'm recognizing the names cause I see them regularly whenever we do table talk Thursday and all of you watching live, you, you know, we love you, you're invested. Mm -hmm. And so you hear us talk about these things on a regular basis. There might be some who are a little bit newer to this, um, maybe who will listen to this later on in the podcast or watch yeah. this later on Facebook. And they're just they're just checking things out, uh, maybe at a surface level. What would you say to those people right now? Just a just a general um, leave us with some kind of encouragement about how how we can be encouraged from your vantage point, uh, from the area of serving, going, uh, doing whatever it takes, wherever it takes us. Those kinds of things. Yeah, so I think that if you're new to our community, um, some people who are new to the community are really skeptical of churches. And so what I would say is just like sit back. Be. Let us love you. Let us um, be a place where you can experience the love and the light of Jesus. That let us be a place where you just experience um, positive humanity. Because sometimes some of us are just feeling drained out and and feel like there's no hope. That there's so much division in our country and uh, with people and you know with family struggles in the middle of a crisis. And so just be here. Let us love you. Let us be a part of your life. Let us in. Um, so that would be one of the things. And the other thing is that if you're ready to get connected and to do some semblance of service, 
to um, reach out to me and, and we can have a conversation and just see what you're ready for. Um, I'm not trying to push people into high capacity leadership roles or anything. Just come and be a part and let's have a conversation. Awesome. I'm putting your um, email address in the comment section that if, in case anybody has a, uh, a question for you so they can reach out to you directly. But any last thoughts that you want to share with us, Kate? Um, I think that the one thing that I would like to say is I miss you guys so much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can't wait to hug you and be near you. And um, just to take hope in this season that you're not alone. Um, and the number one thing I think would be um, make time to be with Jesus during the mm. season. It is imperative. Um, yeah. If you do nothing else this season, if you, you know, gain a bunch of weight, if you binge <laughs> Netflix, if you are really binge on Jesus, <laughs> just stay connected to the Lord. Make sure that you're making space yeah. to care for your soul during this time. Cause that's really easy to um, lose connection with. Awesome. Thanks, Kate. Yeah. Super, yeah, okay. super Thanks thankful you're here, sis. Um, we love you, um, and we will see you soon. Okay, bye. Oh, cool. All right, good. Well, and then there were two. That's right. All right, cool. I'm, I'm really excited, man. I Her energy is just, you know, some people function in, in, in things that they can do, right. but some people function in things that they were born to do. I feel like right. she's functioning in something that she's born to do. Yeah. Um, so super thankful for her. Yeah. Well, we're going to move on to the next part of our segment, which is when we answer uh, questions. And so we've got a few questions. Um, the first question, and forgive me, our sister um, is uh, wrote us this email, and um, I'm just going to try to read it as best as I can and then answer it. But this question is from our sister, Jan. Uh, and Jan says, what does God say or God's word say about spiritual attacks? And she gave a context, which is hard for me to really read, but I'll read it and see if I can make sense of it is most newborn Christians um, that she's coming across uh, seem to be trapped in something called Umbanda, which I've actually heard of before. It's witchcraft and all that good stuff. Well, all that bad stuff um, and the religious beliefs uh, and, and all these um, sort of sect believes in religions and voodoo and all that good stuff. So essentially her question is, what does the Bible have to say about spiritual attacks? So as I look at sort of answering this question, um, I will probably broaden from spiritual attacks to just say spiritual warfare. And interestingly enough, we are in the book of Ephesians, and at some point we will be crossing through Ephesians chapter six that actually deals with spiritual warfare. Uh, also, we talked about this a little bit also in Daniel, in the series in Daniel, um, in Daniel chapter 10. Um, if you look at that series, I believe that series is on fear. Um, there's a portion in there that deals with spiritual warfare. But the Bible does talk about spiritual warfare, specifically Ephesians chapter six, verse 10 says, um, Paul writes to the Ephesian church and says, finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in his might. Put on the whole armor of the Lord so that you can withstand the devil and, and, and his schemes. For we wrestle. This is very important. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. 
So when he says flesh and blood, he means human beings. Our struggle is not against human beings, but against rulers and against authorities and against powers of dark of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. That's a lot to unpack. We're not going to unpack yeah. that today. But essentially, Paul's Paul's statement here is that our, our our fight, our warfare is not against human beings. It's against rulers. And when you see rulers, authorities, those are all uh, or principalities, as it is in the King James. Those are all domains of angelic uh, beings, um, demons, if you will. And so the Bible is very clear about warfare, uh, spiritual warfare, that what we see is not what we get that there is a world beyond here. Um, I'm often reminded whenever I talk about spiritual warfare of the passage, I believe is in first Kings where it's Elijah. I think, um, check me on this, Jared. I think it's Elijah where he says, um, to his, um, to his assistant, uh, when his assistant was afraid and the, the army was there trying to chase them down and he was super afraid Gehazi was afraid and he was like hey elijah what, what's going on man i'm scared and you know i sort of wet in his pants and, and all the stuff's going on spiritual liberty there <laughs> or preaches liberty there for a second but elijah prayed a prayer and said lord open his eyes that he will see that those who are for us are more than those who are against us and the bible speaks about how in that moment god opens gehazi elijah's assistant's eyes to see the spiritual hosts the the heavenly hosts who are there to fight the battle for christians um and so that's important to know that first of all yes we are in a warfare there's an armor that we've been asked to wear uh, an armor that is God's armor, essentially, but it's armor of truth and righteousness and peace and all those other things. So make sure you look at Ephesians chapter six, verse 10, and, and unpack that as you walk through that. But the Bible has a lot to say, and the Bible has a lot to say from the perspective of that in this life is not all that we see, um, that there's there's a there's an invisible realm that actually controls much of what happened, if not all that happens in this realm. So that's how I would answer that, that the Bible has a lot to say about spiritual warfare, spiritual attacks. I also will caution because I know we all come from different backgrounds, uh, different traditions. I come from an African background. I come from an African-American background as well. Uh, and there are some teachings that uh, need to be clarified better, uh, depending on where you come from, uh, where you're seeing a demon in every corner. Um, so, so I'll say this last piece. As Christians, the war that we or the sort of major attacks that we have is with sin, Satan, and the world. So you kind of see that in First John. And so sin is that which lives in us, our sin nature that is being transformed or has been transformed by God and is being sanctified, set apart for the good of God or the glory of God. And then, of course, Satan, the adversary. And then, of course, secularism, if you will, the world system that is working all together to remove us from being present with the Lord. So when Kate talks earlier about, yeah, man, spend time with Jesus, it's not just because it's good to spend time with Jesus, but it, there's a war raging and resting in the Lord gives you that peace of mind, that rest in the Lord, knowing that he, the battle is not mine, but the battle is his. And so that's how I would end that one. Yeah, I see. Um, and actually, my question is going to go into that as well about, about more spiritual warfare. I think that's going to be a bit of a theme for a while here. But uh, <laughs> And, and rightly so, you know, and, and Jesus seems to be confronting it pretty regularly. One of the things that mm. uh, newer Christians or young, young people just in, in terms of age, but also in terms of their faith will ask, you know, where's a good place to start in the Bible? And I mm. usually like um, to point people to the, the gospel of Mark, 
because it's it's short. It's these bite-sized little moments of Jesus, and yet still powerful, even regardless of the size. Uh, but one of the things that I notice every time I look at Mark is how often he interacts with demon possession and mm. uh, AKA spiritual warfare. Um, mm -hmm. And I think it would be easy of us in a modern scientific Western world to think, well, that that's like ancient stuff that doesn't really exist anymore. And, and I would caution against that and, and invite people to open up their minds and, and um, the mind of their heart, even to recognize there's always more to something that meets the, than meets the eye. You know, there's, there's just a little bit, there's, there's always the thing behind the thing. And, and Jesus seems to recognize that as well, but then brings about healing in the process. And then we talk about, you know, uh, some of these things can only happen. The healing can only happen by invoking the name of Jesus. And we even sing mm, songs about this mm. in church. There's power in the name, in the name. of Jesus to break every chain. Right. Mm. And, um, and so I think, uh, Jan's question is a good one. It's yeah, it's in the Bible. It's in Kings. It's in Mark. It's in Ephesians. Certainly in Revelation. Um, and, and there, there is an unseen world um, that that has an impact on our physical world as well. And I think it it would be good of us to one acknowledge it, um, not be afraid of it, but certainly acknowledge it and then call on the name of Jesus because there's power there. Uh, so yeah, my my question that. Uh, was posed was somewhat similar. Um, and I, I'm trying to paraphrase the question because it was, uh, <laughs> there, there was more to it, but I, I, I'm trying yeah. to get at the heart of what the question yeah. is. And so I hope I'm responding yeah. and answering correctly, but and if question. I can say this before you answer yeah. the question, Jared, I, I, for our for our viewers, um, our sister who wrote this, um, this English is her second language. And yeah. so we, we, we're just trying to make sure we attack the question. And so, Jan, if you're on, uh, please feel free to just send some follow up yeah. comments and we'd, we'd love to see. Make sure we're not running in vain. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, and, and I think also, uh, Jan, it, part her culture is very much um, embraces some of the pagan and witchcraft culture. And so she's mm. exposed to it probably more than uh, certainly more than I am. Um, I, I don't know what your exposure level is, Daniel, but um, and I, I imagine, <laughs> yeah. And, and certainly in Nigeria, um, what that was like, but her question is how do you respond to those who are seeking answers, but still practicing things like card readings and witchcraft? Um, and then she parses it out a little bit more and says, how do you respond to the newborn, uh, meaning like the, the newer Christian versus how do you respond to non-Christians? Um, and then for those who have had faith, but then engaged in witchcraft and then over time kind of lost their faith. So I'm going to kind of put all of those things together. First of all, um, this, like we already said, this is already something that Jesus was dealing with and then something that they continued to deal with in the early church, uh, Gentiles, non-Jews. Uh, we're starting to come to faith in Jesus, in the crucified and resurrected Jesus. They wanted to be part of the family, and that's what we're talking about in Ephesians right now in this series. Um, but many of them were still participating in some of these pagan practices. This is a process called syncretism, where they synchronize uh, some of their some of what they understood from their pagan culture, but also in this new uh, religious um, or, or Christian. Uh, faith that they are adopting. And then there's this moment in Acts chapter 15, where they're debating and kind of figuring out how do we deal with this? How do we deal with these new Gentiles that are new to the faith, 
that are still doing some of these things that aren't kosher. And I mean that pun intended. Um, and then James, one of the, one of the apostles steps up and he says this uh, interesting phrase, which I think is, is fascinating. He says, it's my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. So I think that's important to just pay attention to James's heart. Like, let's not make it hard. If people are turning to God, let's figure out a way for this to be easy because we want people to know who God is. And then he goes on to say, um, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. It's kind of a really subjective statement. It seemed good to us and to the Holy Spirit not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. You are to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. You will do well to avoid these things. So again, think about the heart. We should not make it difficult. And it seems good to us and the Holy Spirit. So I, I just hear a sense of humility and gentleness and patience there. So I'm, I'm getting to answering your question. How should we deal with people who are in these various places? One, I think we should come at it with a, a level of humility, with gentleness, with patience, all the things, uh, the fruit of the spirit. Uh, but then also you look at what they decide to do. Um, they go from 613 laws that they had in the Torah mm. to four which tells me that the early church had this level of discernment to allow time for transformation and sanctification sanctification mm. to take hold. Baby steps is kind of lack of a better term. And the main thing is that they're turning to God. And so I think, um, I don't know where all of uh, the people that you're engaging with are at in terms of their faith. And you mentioned a, a number of different um uh, seasons of, of life where they are. Um, but I think, I think the conversation has to require a level of humility and gentleness and understanding where, where are they at? Um, and then I think to, to gear them or guide them towards, uh, towards a sense of baby steps and, and understanding what it is that they're participating in. Um, but then revealing once again, what, what is it that God wants for them and then exposing them to more of that, more of his peace, more of his joy, more of his goodness, um, and allowing some of those other things to start to fade away. But also sometimes naming those things like witchcraft and card reading and, and saying like, these aren't the things that, that produce life. They're not the things mm. that produce hope and joy and grace and peace. Um, for the people that don't have faith, it's a little bit harder to to require yeah. that they would live a Christian life. I think it's hard to ask yeah. a non-Christian to expect to be obedient to Christian morals or values. Um, so then in that case, I think it depends on the level of relationship that you have with that person. And then maybe just ask questions to understand more about who they are and ask, you know, how is that working for you? Is that the kind of thing that's bringing you life and joy? Does the card reading, does the witchcraft, does it give you life? Does it give you abundant life? Does it um, cause your life to have more joy and clarity. Um, I'd want to understand kind of where they're at in life and what those things do for them. But Daniel, you, you've had probably more experience in this area than I have. I'm, I'm curious to how you have or how you would respond to some of those people. Yeah, I think the approach is different and similar um, if they're Christian and non-Christian. Right. Um, it, typically, the biggest um, um, 
conversations that I've had, especially growing up in Nigeria and growing up in a Nigerian church for a long time was syncretism. That was the biggest one where they were sort of making so so the one of the greatest deity in the Yoruba culture, the voodoo culture. And I actually did a I did a, a conference on this actually about two years ago. And you could find it on YouTube, I think. Um and, I and it. it's yeah, yeah. And so the biggest um god of the pantheon in Yoruba, which Yoruba uh, worship actually goes to Brazil, goes to New Orleans. They worship the Orishas. It's actually very deep um, stuff. So, so it was easily said though is um, it's the syncretism where the greatest deity in the Yoruba culture is Olodumare, which is this sort of great being from whom all things come. And they sort of uh, do a one-for-one -one comparison to say, oh, Olodumare is Yahweh. And so they compare they conflate them into one new being. On some level, there is a sense where Paul speaks about the unknown God and sort of tries to unpack that in a way that makes it accessible, like you were saying. Yeah. So that's the one that's hard because, you know, I, I actually have found um, the opposite in a sense of it's the Christians who are syncretistic that are harder to convince yeah, that what they're doing now, people are different, so it could be all, all the ways, right? Some people it just holds them a little tighter, depending yeah. on what it is. But what I all what I have found, though, and I love what you said, which is what I was thinking in my head, as you said, is asking clarifying questions, not judgmental questions, mm -hmm. not not like, oh, do you know that you're going to hell? <laughs> that, yeah. That's a, that's a question, helpful. but it's a judgmental question. Yeah. Now, there could be a time where you get to that point, right? So you've got to be wise and you've got to be intelligent and you've got to be informed about what you're asking about. Don't make judgments. The first thing that you can do with someone is argue with them about their faith and their religion when you know nothing about it. Right. Um, it, it you lose all credibility. And I've seen that happen um, with black Israelites, with, uh, with many, but asking those clarifying questions, hey, tell me about your religion. How did you get into that? And you, and oftentimes you might find out that it's just a cultural thing that they never actually looked into. Or even to the Christian is like, hey, so tell me how is it that you have to do that in order to be saved? But the Bible says all you need to do is believe in Christ. Do Have you thought through that? Have you? And, and it's a very humble question. And yeah. please be sincere. If you're not sincere yeah. about the question, it's going to show up. Yeah. So I think that would what I would say. I mean, we could unpack that. Uh, but I think practically um ask questions I, I agree with you 100 yeah agree with you 100 yeah yeah anything else on you on that one no I, and it's a lot i mean there's more more that there's so much more we could talk about absolutely right. and we should probably do another series i mean we i feel like we, we say that every time we're on Warfare. Warfare. Yeah, no. we should do a series on that and um oh, and <laughs> so eventually no, we'll have to true. get to that yeah yeah um, we did have a follow-up question to, I guess, the first question is, um, and so we can unpack this yeah. and be faithful as much as we can. And we've got a few, we've got about 20 more minutes. Um, so our sister Amelia in Facebook, yeah. Amelia Ertz Martins, I'm going to go mm -hmm. with that. Please forgive me. She says, in our discussion on spiritual warfare this week, I, I don't know if that's family or maybe life life journey or something. I think it's a small group. She would first small group. Okay. Yep. Yep. So someone mentioned that they heard that a at a they heard that they heard at a Christian workshop that the devil can't hear our thoughts like mm -hmm. God can. Yeah. Can you address that? Mm. Okay. You want to go first, Dibs, on this, or you want me oh, to go man. ahead? I, I first want to unpack our our conception of the devil to um, yes 
Yes. Uh, which is challenging, but. Um, so another series on Satan yeah. might be helpful. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's look at the crux of the question. Maybe it helps us. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I, I, cause I, I feel like, you know, I'm the king of defining terms. You and I talk about yeah. this all the time. It's right. like, all right, what do you mean by spiritual warfare? Uh, right. what do you mean by here? Um, yeah. our thoughts, like how, and, and what do you mean by thoughts and what's your conception of who God is? And right. like you rightly said, the devil, um, and yeah, yeah so, mm-hmm. yeah, I think, so um, I'll talk just a little bit about the devil <laughs> as quickly as right. I can. Um, I think the scripture uses a, a variety of different, um, uh, names, um, for the devil. Um, we see in the old Testament, Hasatan, the Satan, mm-hmm. um, uh, which, which takes away, f- I personally, I think that it takes away from this idea that it's like this little, you know, red bean with horns and, and a pitchfork walking around like a caricature. Yeah. 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 I, that, that came way later on, I think. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And I, don't, I don't think that's the conception of the Satan that the Hebrews had in mind. And then of course, even in the scriptures, it is sort of morphs over in time. Um, one of the names is the great deceiver. Um, we hear the adversary, the adversary, um, uh, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion. And mm-hmm. so it, you, you see the biblical writers always trying to grasp at what the devil or the Satan or this deceiver um, adversary is. And so um, it's, it's, I think it, so I've heard some people say it's more of a force than it is a being. And mm. I, you know, I, I take that. That's, that's good. That's a, it's a helpful understanding as well it again it's not a probably a complete understanding so yeah. so getting my mind wrapped around the concept of the devil and the satan uh, that that's hard enough um to start with then to ask the question does that the devil hear our thoughts in the same way um or hear our words or hear anything for that matter um in the same way that you and i would hear something or even in the same way that god would hear mm-hmm. us. And I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know. I think, I think there is a spiritual force at work, it, an evil spiritual force that ha- has a sense of intuition to what it is that we as humans and humanity are dealing with. Um, and it is warring against our soul um, in the same way that God is, is battling uh, for our devotion and our worship as well. That's where yeah. I would start yeah. the conversation. What would you say? Yeah, I think there's a lot to define. Um, yeah. I think you, you're rightly said is like, you know, how do you, like you said, Hashatan, and then you've got Diablos in Greek, right? Right. The yep. deceiver and the, the, the deceiver in one hand and then the adversary on the other end and who's adversary mankind or God. Yeah. And then of course I have the, I have the, the burden of having been a Muslim for a season. So then I'm also thinking from Iblis, which hmm. in the Quran is a, a creature that is more adversarial towards human beings. And the reason he's pissed off for lack of a better word is because God wanted to, um, to, to raise up human beings to his level. So, so you've got a lot of stuff, yeah. So, but let's hone in, I think biblically, right? So yeah. I would, I would assume our sister is asking from a biblical perspective yep. and let me throw another monkey wrench in the, in the game is when you say here, what do you mean by here? 
And then even more so when you say here, our thoughts is our as in human beings or our as in Christian. So mm -hmm. I'll answer from the Christian perspective. I think from the Christian perspective, I, I feel like there's a preponderance, not I'm not saying black and white, but more than not, there's a preponderance of evidence in scripture that seems to point to the fact that the access that the devil has to humans in general is different from the access that he would have to Christians. Mm -hmm. I say that for a verse like greater is he was in me than he was in the world. Right. So we know that God's spirit is in the Christian and the spirit of God cannot dwell simultaneously with the spirit of the devil. Um, so we know that it, there's so in, in a sense, Christians, I hold the view that Christians cannot be demon possessed, but they can be demon influenced. Yeah. Big nuance. Yeah. Um, secondly, I think of the verse where Jesus talks about how in order for a demon to come in, it must first bind the strong man. That's in that house. Well, if your body is a temple of God and the house of God, then the spirit of God lives in there. The devil cannot bind the spirit of God. It can influence your flesh, which is why I went to what we talked about earlier, which all this connects, right? Satan, sin, and the world. Those are three things that we're battling. Um, and so, um, so then you have that. Now, while he cannot, I would say, uh, possess a Christian, I did say he can influence. So you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, I believe, where it says that we cast down every thought that comes against the Lord. And that's why you're meant to renew your mind, because mm -hmm. Satan and the world work together with your flesh to take control. And so I would say as a Christian, um, the I would not be as concerned of demon possession and maybe even hearing your thoughts as i would be concerned first with are your thoughts godly thoughts whatever is lovely whatever is godly think on those yeah. things he can hear that all day long <laughs> i don't care if he hears what i'm saying to god all day long yeah. i don't know he can uh but i also know that as you renew your mind uh first corinthians chapter 12 right as you renew your mind or the, sorry romans 12, romans 12 as you renew your mind by the word of god so this is why we have to be people who of the word, people who understand God's word, because there's enough answers in the text and we have to understand it in this context and we can start to apply it because one of the weapons of our warfare in Ephesians six is the, is the sword of truth. And it's not this long sword, the long Roman sword. It's that Rhema, that short, precise sword, which means you're precisely speaking to the situation. I'm not telling you to fight the devil. I got, I, I got words for people who go battle with the devil called victims so so let's let's respect and i think that's back to what you were saying pastor jared is let's respect the fact that the devil is a creature that is powerful yeah let's respect force creature however you want to call it he is powerful right mm -hmm. you know there's a real little known verse in jude where even the archangel michael was like yeah i'm not fighting you one-on-one -on -one. i'm gonna go to the lord for this one right. again i don't want to sort of get too far out so i would say as a christian um who belongs to God, you are God's and the devil can't take you from God. And you, you would do your best to avoid his influence. Even for Ephesians six talks about, so you can withstand the schemes, the schemas, the, the idea, the ideas, the ideations of the devil, which while he may not be able to necessarily read your mind can do things to listen, the devil's smart and intelligent. He's been around for a long time. And well, here's what we know. Even as people who are counselors, if you study people long enough, we have patterns. We have ways of doing things. And so I might be able to, after some years of spending time with Pastor Jared and him with me, he could probably predict some things that I will do. 
how much more the devil who's been around for long and seen some some things. So I think that's what we want to do is we want to spend goes back to what Kate said earlier, Pastor Kate, spend time with Jesus, be in Jesus. I say it this way and I'll, and I'll, and I'll be quiet is um, rather than trying to. Uh, so when it comes to counterfeit um, in the banks, they have the bank study the original, the real document, not the counterfeit. Yeah. Because why? Because if you know the counterfeit, if you know the original enough, you'll be able to smell, detect your factory sense will be like, ah, that's off. Your eyes will no, that's not what that looks like. So yeah. spend time understanding God's word, understanding who God is, the character of God, leaning on the spirit of God, not on your own personal understanding. And then you'd be able to detect false doctrine, false theology. And if the devil is up to something in your life. Yeah, so that's what that's I would good. say. I, I t- hope our sister, I hope that was helpful for our sister. There's a lot more we can unpack, but I hope if you've heard anything from us um, on this is that we have to define terms. Mm-hmm. I cannot answer questions without saying, okay, so what's your conception of the devil? Even more so, what's your conception of God? Do you see God and the devil as this yin and the yang who are two equals? Um, do you see Jesus that way, that him and, G- and the devil? If you do, that's not a biblical view you know jesus says i was there when you got booted out of heaven right so like i've been there um or if you see them as 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 contemporaries of each other and then that's 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 problematic um so anyway so that's that's a lot to do there a lot to unpack there but that's where i would pause for now and if you have follow-up questions folks you can always ask them yeah yeah one last one last thought from james resist the devil and he will flee from you drawn to god and he will draw near to you and I think that's that's helpful. So James, the the I'm sorry, when you say that, I'm like, oh, James on the on the Facebook wrote something. Oh, no. no, you're no. talking about the book of James, the yeah. letter of James. Yeah. Yes. No, please, please, please repeat that again, brother. I, that's yeah, so, super good. Yeah, James says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw unto God and he will draw near to you. Amen. Amen. Yep. There you go. I mean, that, that's in a nutshell. Um, the power to resist is in the Lord. Mm-hmm. So, and as you draw to the to Lord, you there's no way that you're drawing towards the other guy. That's yeah. good. Sweet, sweet, sweet. You sweet. got the next one, Let's Daniel. See. Where are we on time? Okay, we've got about oh, 10 yeah. minutes. We got, yeah. We got some time. We got some time. Okay, good. All right. Well, this has been fun. Definitely a series of spiritual warfare sometimes. Yeah, no so. All right. Um, okay, good. So, this is again from our sister Jan. Um, mm-hmm. So, I'm going to let me read through this. How do newborn Christians, how can newborn Christians avoid false teaching and self-depicting and dive head and toes into faith? So I'll, I think I understand the first part. I don't know if I yeah. understand the last part, um, but um, yeah, so I'll go with, I'll go with uh, the first part. The first part is how can you avoid, it's kind of like what we just said at this point too, right, is study the original document and then you can detect counterfeit so i would say the christian in first timothy second timothy chapter two study and show yourself approved right as a workman who is rightly dividing the word of truth rightly knowing how god's word pieces together uh we did a series when i first got here called the story of god Um, and i don't know if folks remember that series or even understand the impact of that series but the impact and the story and the the impetus of that series was to remind us that this is one cohesive book telling one story following jesus all the way through because he is 
he it's God's story, right? It's his story, not history alone, but his story. Mm-hmm. And God is unveiling it and unpacking it. And so the point is to show us this cohesiveness of God's word and also to point us to that word. So we talked about different genres. You know, you'll hear us talk about context. All these things are done to help us uh, be able to unpack God's word for what it is to rightly divide God's word, the word of truth. I think in addition to that, you know, in in Ephesians chapter four, a lot of stuff from Ephesians, Ephesians chapter four talks about how the Lord has given apostles and preacher teachers and pastors for the edification of the body. Why? So that they're not uh, uh, carried away with any wind of doctrine to and fro being moved around by every new age doctrine. There's a lot of stuff out there. Sometimes you talk to people and you just don't want to badmouth other pastors, but you're like, how did you find that in the text? Right. Where did you get that from? How do, how do you how do you take something that's a description and then make it a prescription? Right. Um, and even in the Nigerian culture, sometimes people will be like, well, Abraham had multiple wives, so I can have multiple wives. That's a description. So so what about the fact that uh, Judas killed himself? No one wants to do that as a prescription, right? right. right? So we'll pick and choose. Yeah. But that's why it's important to understand context and to have good hermeneutical skills. We talked about that last week. So so our sister Jan and to anybody else, how you can know and not fall into false doctrine is one, go into God's word have your tools. So I'm starting with that first, because I don't want to start with, you know, uh, you know, follow a good theologian or whatever, because how do you even know if he's telling the truth? How do you know if I'm telling the truth? Right. I, I need us to be Bereans, you know, in first, was it Acts, uh, Acts 17, it talks about this church in Berea, how they would listen to Paul, and then they would go into God's word and study to see if what Paul is saying is true. As a true Christian, anything we preach on Sundays or wherever we talk, you owe it to yourself and to God to be able to go into scripture and say, man, are these people telling the truth? How do they get this? Show your work, as they say, right? You know, in 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 the in the in the um in the um and when I was in elementary yeah. school, the teacher was like, show your math, yeah. yeah, show your work, you know, and and some. Yeah. Yeah. And some preachers can't show their work um, because they, they can't tell you how they got there. Or even if they got there, it's non sequitur. It's like, how did you get to anyway? So, yeah, study God's word for yourself. Get all the tools. Right. We talked about that last week, I think. Right. About, you know, having a decent commentary, having a good interlinear Bible, having even beyond those and before those have a good inductive Bible so you can understand how to study for yourself. Because there are commentaries that I read now that I'm like, yeah, I can't I can't I can't. I don't know how you got there. Um, so, yeah, so that that's how you do it. And then I think, secondly, you surround yourself with people who are intentional about God's word, who who take God's word seriously and take how it fleshes out in the community of saints. So that's, you know, Pastor Jared, I, I like to call you the community pastor because I think you bring that flavor. Yeah. Um to to this sort of stoic view of theology where no you should study god's word you should rely on god's truth because it's objective truth right we don't want to rely on our own understanding uh, but in the same sense we also have the community because so pastors and teachers are also part of the community yeah. that help talk about okay this is this is this is either objective truth or this is also another flavor of that truth yeah. so i think that that i'm i hope that answers that question you have anything to add to that one yeah well and and just um that it's okay for for that for those conversations to take place. I think you know I hear in the question, how do I avoid false teaching? I don't know about you, but I've heard um, some people, some young younger Christians that I've talked with or counseled in the faith, and sometimes um, it's that avoidance piece. They're they're too nervous. Like I'm, I don't want to say anything about the Bible 
or say that this scripture means this because I'm afraid I might be wrong. And so they almost like back away uh, completely and just like, it's too, like, there's too much at stake. And so I don't want to do it. And I'd, I wouldn't want anybody to push away from the table for fear of saying the wrong thing. Um, I, uh, I got really excited about my faith when I was 18. And guess what? When you're an 18 years old, you know everything you know everything. to know about the world, right? <laughs> yeah, you you do. too, absolutely. You had that experience, absolutely. Yeah, yeah but, and yeah. Um, so because I only I knew went to seminary to confirm all that I already yeah, knew. Yeah, yeah thank you for telling me what I already believed. Um, <laughs> and then it, it, you know, fortunately for me, it happened to continue into my twenties. I still knew everything about the world, and um, and I I had that approach towards the Bible and theology. And then some people in my life came, and you know, people that I trusted that loved me well. Uh, came into my life and said, Hey, you might just want to, you know, look at this. And, and they, you know, would, would adjust some things for me. How old were you, Daniel, when you uh, became a Christian? Uh, I, it's hard to say. Um, so I was born in a Christian household. And so I would say culturally, I was a Christian all my life. Yeah, I would say right around, again, actively in church, I preached my first sermon when I got saved. And how old was As that? I was preaching my first sermon. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, and I've never told you that story. Uh, we should probably do a, a segment on how yeah. we all came right, to Christ. Right. But yeah, so it was probably around 2021. Okay, so, yes. and my guess is, and I grew up in the, the faith too, um, but there was a moment where I decided like, oh, I'm going to start sharing this. And mm, and I mm, felt pretty mm -hmm. confident. I knew what yep, a scripture 20. meant. And, yeah, and then only to you know find out later, it was like, well, you're yeah, you're kind of there, but you're kind of not, and you know, let me give you some more understanding, and it's in that moment, and, and I assume it you know was for you too, um, or moments, where mm. I had to choose to have the humility to hear from the people, who had who had been at this longer than I had, mm. and and but they had the gentleness too, to not say you're wrong, and here's mm. the right way. But they engaged in conversation and asked me questions and, you know, asked me, you know, well, well, why do you understand it that way? And how did you come to that? And so there's a level of gentleness and love and care that happens in the relationship. And you see that even with Jesus when he's, what, 12 years old in the synagogue yeah, in there, yeah. or at the temple. And he's asking the, the uh, people questions and they're dialoguing and that, you know, that's very very uh, enigmatic of the Jewish culture and the, certainly the rabbinical culture is all yeah. of these different ideas and interpretations come to the table and there's a sense of beauty in that. Uh, but then at, at some point you do have to walk away feeling like, okay, what is it that I, mm. what is it that I actually believe and how do I understand the scripture? So um, that's probably why I've appreciated the community so much. Um, yeah, is because it's helped to yeah, sharpen. That makes sense. That gives insight. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's amazing how, you know, I you know, we we both agree with this, right? That um me being an African American pastor, you being a white pastor, me being on staff brings a different uniqueness that we miss yeah. if we don't have that. Right. But also our backgrounds is helpful. Because mm -hmm. while our backgrounds are similar, there's also a unique distinction in especially what you just said that makes me now, oh, so that's why we're different in certain right. areas, right? right. So I, I, I don't think though, that we have a good church if we don't have someone who is careful to emphasize community. Right. And I don't think we have a good church if we are not careful about someone who who emphasizes the uh you're gonna love this word the perspicuity of scripture oh, the clarity 
yeah. the clarity of scripture, yeah. right? And I think, man, man, how much we were robbing each other of that, right? So for me, yeah. um, at 20 some odd, the shift that happened was that I had grown up with all these men and women of faith who have been with the Lord for 18, 20, 30, 50, 60 years, and who thought they knew everything and would tell me things. And then at 20 some odd, I started searching the Bible for myself. It just happened that the Lord, you know, I used to be the person that my father was forcing to read the Bible. And we joke now that I, I'm the one that's now encouraging him to read the Bible. Right. Yeah. And <clears throat> The shift came because it just broke my heart that, you know, that was the story. Part of the story I shared when I was preaching on context is, no, I grew up watching people hurt and harm themselves mm -hmm. on the erroneous understanding of scripture yeah. and how they were taking things out of context. So that explains my passion, my sort of natural proclivity towards, yeah. no, we need to get it right. And, and not to say that we always have the answers. There's just passages like, for instance, that obscure, well, not obscure, but that passage where Paul talks about. What would the dead, those who were buried, those who were baptized for the dead, what would they, I, I, okay, there's so many different understandings of that. Um, of course, this truth that we do know, right? We know that you're not saved by baptism, proxy baptism. So we know that much, but what does Paul say specifically in that passage? I, I don't know. It's a, it's what they call a crox interpretum, right? It's a hard text to understand. So there's, there's humility that needs to be applied, but I also think there's a lot of things that are clear in scripture like so for instance you and i would agree on this health and wealth prosperity gospel yeah that's clearly not biblical mm -hmm. it is not biblical that you know as some pastor will say that god wants you to have your best life now right. if you have your best life now then what do you have to look up to what do you have to look forward to in heaven if, if this is the best life now <laughs> then i don't want to go where you're going <laughs> like yeah. you know so there is yeah. a sense where you know there's some things that are just uh, wrong and your olfactory sense as you read God's word, you can sort of smell it and say, no, that's wrong. But yeah. I think in the same sense, man, yeah, don't, oh man, that, I'm thank, thank you for sharing that because that's helpful yeah. to just continue to remember how we need each other and how important it is to have community. Community does not mean devoid of theological truth. It means that we get to flesh out with the implications of that truth as a body. So I'm, yeah, I'm super excited about that, brother. Yeah. Thank you for yeah, sharing absolutely. that. Yeah. Man, Nathan's gone for one week and I, I think we got to less. We get all the, all the hard questions. Well, did he plan too, but, this? <laughs> uh, I don't know, but I, I'm looking at the agenda of like the more questions that we didn't get to. And yeah, yeah, yeah. sorry. <laughs> hey, no, listen. Um, <laughs> we talked about, I we hope still we, talked. I mean, we did, didn't, yeah, we just get moments we did. of silence. So it was good. Yeah. It's an old saying is, um, what is it? Expository preaching or preaching is preaching is God's truth through personality. Mm -hmm. And I think the people got to see our personalities today yeah. in a unique way. And I'm, yeah. I'm glad for that because we don't, we want to make it accessible, right? That's, I love that. Yeah. I'm going to, that's, that's going to be my word for today. Uh, make it accessible. So sweet. Cool. Where are we at on time? Okay. So we're actually at time. We're well, at time. you, you get the last word, Pastor Jerry. What, anything oh. you want to say to the people? Um, yeah, I just this whole time I've still been thinking about people in Midland. Um, I don't know anybody in uh, Midland. I imagine some of you do. I've never been to Midland, um, but I was just seeing some of the images online this morning. Just felt just my heart broke for them and um, the chaos that they're having to endure. And so, you know, you talk about your best life now. Mm. How does that relate to people in Midland right now? Um, and so, I where I think the beauty of the church comes. Um, it comes in a lot of different ways and a lot of different times, but when suffering happens, when persecution happens, when, um, when opposition comes somehow, 
God's spirit, um, the power of Christ enables the body of Christ to, to just rise up and to become mm. the body that we were meant to be. And there's beauty in that, even though it's hard and even though there's pain. Mm. And so I'm excited to see how the church is going to come around, not just life church, but the, the global church, the Michigan church come around people yeah. in Midland and the surrounding areas and just support and love them. So keep them in your prayers. And, um, and uh, then we will see you this weekend uh, as uh, we're going to hear a little bit more about Ephesians. Amen. Well, God bless folks. Thanks for the comments. I'm going to look at those comments. A lot of good comments, man. And Jan, even Jan was like, this feels like home now. So good. Sweet. Well, God bless. Godspeed. Pastor Jared, love you, brother. I will see you soon. All right. All right. Bye-bye.